and welcome back to the Dreamcast. I am your host, Denise Walsh. I combine science, scripture, and stories that will inspire you to dive deep, break through your own personal glass ceiling, and design a life of your dreams. Dreamcasters, I am so excited to personally invite you to my first live event of 2019. Save the date for Dream Space, January 13th in Grand Rapids, Michigan. You are invited. I would love to have you join us. Not only will you hear from myself and other special guests, but you'll have space, space to dream, space to heal, space to break through your own personal glass ceiling, connect with what it is you truly want most, connect with your life's purpose, and then create an inspired action plan so you can start taking steps in that direction. We're going to end the night with a come-as-you-will-be party. This means that we're pretending like it is the year 2024 and coming dressed as the person that you want to be in five years. Oh my gosh, we're going to have lots of talk time to help you prepare for this event, but I know that this full day workshop experience is going to be life-changing for you and I want you there. Space is limited and it will sell out. So go to dreamlifetoolkit.com to get your dream space ticket today. Big, big welcome back to the Dreamcast. In today's episode, I'm interviewing a redheaded businessman who started a media marketing company in 2016, as well as the Heart Healthy Hustle podcast. He has the vision to equip, inspire, and connect driven and proactive young professionals. He says this podcast is for you if you've started executing on your vision, yet are dealing with the challenges that this brings. And we all know that the journey is never a straight line. You have hustle, you have heart, and you love health, and you are considered driven by your friends and family. If so, then our next guest wants to talk to you because he loves to talk honestly about self-awareness, health, vulnerability, purpose, and he works through his scariest business struggles and opportunities in the podcast and on today's episode as well. So big Dreamcast welcome to Jonathan Frederick. Hey, Denise. Happy to be with you guys today. Thanks for having me. Yes, absolutely. Now, last week, you interviewed me on your Heart Healthy Hustle podcast, and we connected. And I, to be honest, I was like, we speak the same language. So I needed to have you on the Dreamcast as well, because you are somebody who leads with heart and and trusts your intuition and steps out in faith and all the things that entrepreneurs do. But I know it's not always easy. So you started your media marketing company in 2016 and have done a lot of things since then. But I would love to hear even before that, tell me a little bit about yourself and the journey to starting your company. So I have a story for you and your listeners right out the gate. This is really interesting. So after I went to school for exercise science, I got hired as a rehab specialist at a chiropractic wellness center. And (laughs) I remember working there and being forced to do three jobs in one. I was supposed to be the rehab specialist, the guy that worked with the clients after the chiropractor. Uh, But what happened was... I ended up becoming the manager, the rehab specialist, and the front desk administrator. So I had these three jobs in one. 
looking back, I was so stressed. My lips were getting chapped because of the vitamin B deficiency. Uh, I was taking, not Adderall, but I was taking things to keep myself mentally focused through 6 p.m., 7, 8 p.m. if we had a long day. And I remember loving that job so much and being so engaged, getting to work with people and just helping them heal their bodies physically. But I also remember fantasizing all the time about entrepreneurship. We had hired a video media marketing company to come in and create a video for the clinic. And I remember the guy came in, his name was Smith. And I'm still connected with him to this day. A very talented guy. He does like photography for the Carolina Panthers, things like that. And he he comes in just doing this freelance job, you know, one in the afternoon. And I'm looking at him and I'm thinking to myself, this guy is definitely going to make more than I make today. And he has a free, more or less a free schedule after he works with us for two, maybe two and a half hours tops. He just goes home and works on this and then submits it, maybe does a revision or two. Um, not to say it's easy, but it looked way more enticing to me than what I was doing. So during that whole time and experience while I was working at this chiropractic wellness center and still loving it, by the time I decided to leave, uh, it was because I, I believe the job was still engaging, but 90% of it became automated and muscle memory more or less. The only thing that was really exciting me was talking with the, with the people and learning about them and, hey, how's things going today? And so I would write down on... An, uh, one of my mentors actually taught me this to take uh, post-it notes every time I had an idea. And because I was automated in my mind, uh, in my, phys- my physical brain, and all these like neural pathways that were developed with muscle memory, I was able to brainstorm while doing muscle memory tasks. So I'd be helping somebody out or I'd be working on the computer, typing up some reports and in my mind, I was brainstorming about how am I going to get free of uh, having to come into a scheduled job, which, you know, I'm not knocking that. But for me, I was really interested in this. So I would brainstorm ideas. I had pockets full of post-it notes at the end of every single day. And I would just come home and stuff them in a little bag I had. And it started to fill up like a bag of dream receipts, if you will. And so uh, it's the first time I've called them that. But that's really what it was. And uh, by the time I left, I had been offered another job as a door-to-door sales guy. And uh, I did that for over two years. And I'm happy to say that that was much more financially rewarding. But the it was it's hard to do that. I wasn't actually selling anything because I was working for the power company, um, actually the largest one in the US. So it was a legit company. Everybody has power through them. Um, so they would give you the time of day. It just It's hard because you're uninvited typically looked at as unwelcome. I'm in North Carolina. I'm a Jersey guy. I grew up born and raised in New Jersey. So they're like, who's this guy from New Jersey on my front porch? And uh, if you're in the South, then you know already, people don't really take too kindly to strangers walking up to their door. Um, But people are are largely very nice. But there's one too many experiences that I had where I realized, and this is really what pushed me into entrepreneurship, was it forced me to make a decision because of the defending of my dignity as a human being. Mm. It just, it, it was so challenging uh, at times to, I always say this when sales, like it's not that you're getting rejected, they're rejecting your proposal, they're rejecting your delivery of it. So it can feel like a personal rejection. And sometimes that is part of it. Maybe they don't like the way I look. They don't like my beard or the fact that I have red hair or I'm tall and white or whatever the case may be. It doesn't matter. But it's typically almost never a rejection of me. They don't know me. So that's what I always say in sales. They don't even know who I am. And uh, those kind of sales are hard to do. Uh, where if you can get people to seek you out and say, "Hey, like you have something I want," that is really where it, sales can become a lot more service oriented, and you feel a lot more 
I don't know, perhaps fulfilled in those types of sales. You've mentioned a few things that I want to touch on. I definitely want to come back to your dream receipts and how you use those to Mm, catapult your next business. But you said you started feeling this restlessness or this like this, you like it was attacking your dignity, where you didn't feel good about what you were doing anymore. And something was stirring inside. Can you tell me more about that? Yeah, it was my ego. <laughs> no, I mean, probably part of it. Yeah. But uh, there's just this human dignity that once you get it gets steamrolled one too many times, you realize that you need to step up into the greatest version of yourself. And if you don't, you're going to be miserable in that part of yourself day in and day out. And that's what people talk about. Uh, when I talk about entrepreneurship, though, I never talk about it in a farcical way that so many people do on social media. I believe that entrepreneurship or you know, owning your own business is in fact, can be many times a lot harder than working a mundane job. I just choose that version of hard over the version of mundane hard because mundane hard to me is like hard in the wrong kind of difficult. It's, it's not a comfortable difficult where you're like, yes, I'm, I'm growing from this. It's just like I'm melting. It's not a fun thing. So the difference there is entrepreneurship is usually harder, but it's a kind of harder that... It, it's not a it's not a fake dream like everyone's on yachts and millionaires. It's like you have to work really hard. You're probably going to work more than you do at a day job or what have you. And you're probably going to work harder and you're probably going to have that job come home with you many times. So it's something that's not for everybody, but the people who choose it typically understand. Um, and I'm sure you found this with interviews, but I have for sure on my podcast with the people I've interviewed, there's a version of hard that you have to accept to defend your dignity if it comes to that. And I always say... Even if it means losing your job, I, I think, def, you know, not defending, but standing up for your right as a human being is more important than keeping your job that helps you to pay your monthly bills. That's just my opinion, though. Yeah, yeah. Entrepreneurship is, we like to say, a personal development program with a compensation plan because you have to grow, like you have to show up, you have to learn new skills, you have to step up and step into yourself for your business to grow. And you made a decision that you had to step up yourself and speak your own personal truth. When you made that choice, how long was it before you said, all right, I can't do this anymore. I've got to go do something else. To be honest, I still do the door to door, but I've spoken with the manager. And I also shifted my mindset around that job where I, since I started my podcast in, in back in June, I do not work as many hours on that job. Last year, year before last, I was working that job probably... Uh, I I was working really hard at it. And it it takes a lot out of you because influence is the transfer of emotion. Influence is the transferring of emotion and it's exhausting. So although it's not manual labor, and it's in fact the kind of work that I thrive in, which is human interaction, I was still becoming very tired and you become argumentative or irritable by the end of the day. So day in and day out of that became challenging to where I said, I sat down, it was actually a friend of mine, the manager of this program. And, and I spoke, I said, you know, what do you think about this? And he said, we'd rather have you work for us for two days a week than to lose you. So that's kind of what happened. And I shifted into this uh, with my podcast and my online branding and everything and really diving into that. Um, I love that. And, well, and I think it, yeah. it just goes to show you don't need to have either or. You really can do both and. And you set set up boundaries within the job or the door-to-door sales that you were doing with those people so you could free up some mind space to also cultivate a different part of you, the creative side, the yeah. the part, the human you know, in, influence side. And you can do both. And you've got your side hustle while you're doing your sales job as well. 
And to be honest, I have many side hustles, but that's, yeah, that's besides the point, I guess. <laughs> awesome. awesome. And it keeps you on your toes, I'm sure. So oh, yeah. throughout this transition, how have you learned? Where do you go? Is there somebody in the sales job that is a mentor to you? Do you look outside of that? How do you find people to connect with that help you step into that best self? It's really a challenge. It really is. So for anyone listening, you know this as well. Getting in a network of people who are actually doing things and actually winning is difficult because they're very t- they're they're often elusive. I always say if you see somebody posting on Instagram on the regular and their post is polished and it looks great, they're probably not actually making money. And I could be wrong and I get a lot of flack for that, but my point in saying that is when you see somebody with a, you know, with when they're posting their nice car ridiculous amounts of time compared to the other types of posts or whatever. Um, It could be that you're just trying to stay brand relevant. And I respect that. Uh, What I'm saying is they are elusive. Real winners are very elusive. And that's something, Denise, that I've learned. And I'm sure you maybe you have as well uh, with with the podcast and reaching out to other people is, you know, I've I've interviewed people on my show like Ed Milet. Okay. And this guy is a real winner you know, he's a, a big deal name. And, and he's a kind of guy where he doesn't waste a minute. Uh, it's funny, actually, I, I still go to the chiropractor that I used to work for. And great guy, we're still friends to this day. And he, I was telling him, I was like, yeah, you know, blah, blah, blah. He's like, oh, I actually met Ed Milad at uh, Grant Cardone's conference, the 10X con. And I was like, oh, no way. He's like, yeah, I got a picture with him. And that's one thing about emotional intelligence. Never try to one up people, even if you're further ahead of them. To me, my EQ is always, I'm always learning, I'm always developing. But uh, I always look at it like it may impress the other person, but it's not something that makes them feel good. And people don't remember what you said. They remember how you made them feel. And that's that's something I'm trying to master and become better at in, in lifting others up is making them feel empowered and good. But anyway, he shows me this picture of Ed. And he's like, yeah, Ed was really mad about this. And I was like, what do you mean? And he said, well, I was trying to get the picture. I said, can I get a picture with you? A note about this doctor, he's Korean and he's he's a great guy. I'm not knocking any ethnicity here, but he has a little bit of broken English. Um, he's a very smart guy and uh, but it's just humorous to me to hear it from him because he's he you know, he's talking about how Ed was getting annoyed with him because he's saying every second that you waste getting your camera open on your phone, I'm missing out on I think he said like five or fifty thousand dollars worth of revenue that I could be making somewhere else. Like that's how much his time is worth. And so point in sharing that story is the elusive nature of real winners is is because they're actually out there working. They're, it's like Batman. They don't care if you see them. They don't care if you notice them. They're just actually putting in the work. And then, you know, five years later, maybe something surfaces that they wrote a book or, you know, their podcast is very successful or their business is thriving. And you're like, wait, what? And you win over people much stronger in the long run because they realize, wow, look, look what happened here. And they never even were you know, really not bragging, but they weren't even looking for no notoriety around this. Right. They're not in it for the show. They're in it for the hustle. And the hustle is yeah. what brings them that momentum. Yeah. And to answer your question, Denise, I'm sorry, I don't think I actually answered it. Something I do that helps me find other winners is be honest with myself and say, am I somebody that would attract those kind of people in my life? And to be someone that would do that, you have to have value. So you have to be a, someone who's bringing help or service in a humble way to people who are ahead of you. And that's really a fun thing for me, but it also checks me every day. I always have to check my humility at the door. I'm like, or not at the door, but I have to check my ego and say, am I still early humble? 
So for me, early humble is when I first started this podcast and I was shocked out of my mind when an author would say, yeah, I'll be a guest on your show. And I, and now I look at it, I'm like, of course they want to be a guest podcast to them screams relevancy and they want to remain relevant as long as possible with their book that they wrote in 2009. But the point in that is like, I was so humble that I was shocked when people would agree to an interview with me. I, and it's kind of sad, but that's the way my self-esteem kind of has grown over, uh, like you said, with the personal development of entrepreneurship. Conferences help, uh, reaching out, helping serve other people. How do you do that? Honestly, I don't know. It's really a challenge. You, you have to look at people who you really align with and say, what can I do for them that would actually help them and not expect any reciprocation whatsoever, ever. So it's like confidence without entitlement. Mm, confidence without entitlement. I think that's really important because you're going to like exude the confidence. You are going to, it's going to flow out of you. Your people are going to take notice of you, you know, and you just walk into a room and you can tell someone owns themselves. I think that's a really important space, but not to be entitled where you're expecting others to bow down <laughs> or, or see how great you are or whatever as well. So it's like this confidence with the servants focus. And I feel like you're right. Those are the types of people that people want to follow. Are you somebody people want to follow? Are you somebody that people who are already successful want to hang around? Because are you adding value to them? Now, you've mentioned EQ, so emotional intelligence a few times. Share with me something else you've learned about growing your EQ and how that is important to every aspect of life. One thing I want to just get clear right away is EQ and self-awareness are two different things. They're deeply intertwined, but they're two different things. Self-awareness is just that. Self-awareness. The definition is pr pretty much you can Google it. I don't want to butcher it. But emotional intelligence is uh, highly... I don't want to use the word manipulative, but it's an, it's an intelligence or in about emotions and what makes people tick. Now, if you are working to grow your emotional intelligence, I would, you know, I always recommend that. And there's books on it, and everybody talks about how it's so important. And the reason is, if your emotional intelligence isn't there, you're not going to know how to work with different types of people. It's just the way it is. Have you ever heard of the Enneagram? No, I haven't. Tell me more. Okay. So the Enneagram is a, I don't even know how to explain it, but I would definitely recommend everyone take the free online test. And it's spelled a little weird. I'm going to check to make sure I don't spell it wrong. Enneagram, the Enneagram of personality or simply the Enneagram, meaning something written or drawn, is a model of the human psyche, which is principally understood and taught as a typology of nine interconnected personality types. Basically, what that means is you take this test, you get two numbers, and you read all about these numbers and what they mean. And it, it's funny because it, it builds your self-awareness like no other. Where the emotional intelligence comes in is like now that you're self-aware, and like you said, Denise, owning yourself, you can then focus out and say, I'm okay. Like, I don't need people to like me. I just want to lift other people up. If they accept it, great. If not, that's okay. You know, there's a lot of people out there um, who I can look to serve. Yeah, emotional intelligence, I'm super passionate about it. But I just recently, you know, over the last few months, realized that there is a difference between that and self-awareness. And emotional intelligence is absolutely necessary, but it's not the same as self-awareness. Ooh, I, I, there's a couple of things you're saying. Self-awareness to me sounds like I know who I am and emotional intelligence is a, is a step further where you're like, and I accept who I am. And when you have this, I'm okay on the inside, 
then you're not as emotionally triggered by other people on the outside. And even as an eight-year-old, you had to differentiate them being rude is not really a reflection of me. It's really a reflection of something that they've got going on, which to be honest, for an eight-year-old to be able to differentiate and grow their inner self muscle and, and really kind of be able to see people through those eyes is a is a huge skill because so many times even adults take things personally and then they're on an emotional up and down roller coaster because somebody said something that hurt their feelings or somebody did something that and and really when you have that inner confidence of not only do I know who I am but I like who I am I accept who I am and I'm okay then you can kind of it feels like you can look at others a little bit differently because they don't personally impact your inner self as much as they could if you hadn't developed the skill. 100%. And as an eight-year-old, I wasn't always good at that. I didn't know how to do that. And so I had an internal toxic shame buildup that I had to discharge when I was in my 20s that is really actually pretty sad. But I allowed some of that bitterness to develop. And I think it was used against me and not to my greater not to the greater good of my life that I allowed bitterness in my heart and unforgiveness is the word mm-hmm. until I realized that forgiveness isn't about justice. It's about freedom. Then that's when things change. When I, by an act of my will, no, I didn't feel like it. I went through lists of names of people who I was a little bitter at or a lot bitter at. And I just kind of went through all that and focused on um, how much I am loved and accepted and how I'm enough in Christ and how uh, that's all that really matters. And then, like you said, that self-awareness comes into where you know you're enough and you look at other people with empathy instead of, what are they going to do to hurt me? What are they going to do? So I shied away from community for so long because I was so afraid that, you know, I mean, everyone is scared of it to some extent, but my little sister last year was talking to me and she was talking to me. Uh, we're, we, we, we talk sometimes for like maybe a half hour or an hour and we're catching up. And uh, I was alone in my car and I was just talking to her and I wasn't going through a real hard time or anything, but uh, she was doing really well at school with a lot of new friends and things. And I was really happy for her. And she was like, (sighs) one thing she said to me that broke me in really set me free to start helping other people and get out of my own head was she goes, John, you've always been really good at loving me and being a great brother to me. And you just need to let that out. And people need that. And when she said that, it was like God was saying it through her. And it changed my life because I was like, she's right. I mean, if I accept the fact that people need that version of me, um, then I can really start showing up and and not worry about the bruises that I'll pick up inevitably along the way. Hmm. That gave me chills, actually, because it's like you already had everything you needed. You didn't yeah. need validation from others. You didn't need to be or learn something else. She was saying, dude, like you're amazing just as who you are. And when you overflow, people notice and it impacts the world. And it gave you permission to do that again. Yeah. Ooh, so good. So good. Now we could have a whole podcast on forgiveness because we know that when we have those emotional and invisible ties to the past, we really have a, we can't create in the future because it's emotionally holding us back. But I want to 
head down the road of your dreams because you spent time on post-it notes and you were writing down these dreams and you're writing down these ideas and you were allowing your creative mind to be at work even in the mundane job. How did you use that creativity, that, that vision, that those dreams? What'd you do with it? So I don't have a blueprint or anything, but you're exactly right. I would write it down and I was dreaming while I was working. And I think that this comes down to, did I talk about lily pads on my, when I interviewed you last week, Denise? I don't think so. Okay. Well, I actually live by lily pads and I can get into the acronym, but uh, I think life is like a series of lily pads. And I believe that if you don't take every initiative that's possible for you to take while you're on the lily pad that you're currently on, you may stay stuck. And I think that's why so many people stay stuck and get frustrated and irritated with where they are in life. Even people who are well off, even people who look rich on the outside, everyone comes into rough patches, of course. But especially if you're somebody who's, you feel like you've been stuck for a long time and you're like, dude, I can't stand this. Like what is going on? I am too good for my job. This kind of attitude is not serving you. So what it came down to for me was I've always prided myself on my work ethic. It's not flawless at all. I definitely need to step up a lot more, but I work hard at what I'm doing. So whether that's scrubbing the toilets at McDonald's at my first job in high school, or it's delivering beer all over New Jersey at the casinos and you know being mistreated by coworkers or talking to people that are in the, uh, the union for beer delivery and stuff in New Jersey, uh, wh- whatever it is, doing the best that I can in that season so that I can jump to the next lily pad as soon as possible. Because lily pads die each season. They're not meant to hold you up. They're not meant to keep you... You know, I don't think... And that's why everyone says, oh, it's a journey. The whole thing is... The, the gift is the journey. It's not the destination. Because you get the... Oh, oh my gosh. I always ask people this. I'm like, if you got to that destination tomorrow, you wake up, let's say your destination... Oh, once I get my money right, everything's fine. Let's say you wake up tomorrow, 10 mil in your bank account. What are you going to do? Have you ever asked yourself that? Like, are you even ready to handle your dreams? That's where a lot of people want to stop talking to me is like, let me go think about that. And I don't know. Personally, I'm not... I think I would go travel and I think I would start giving a lot more, which is just my what I think I would do. But am I ready for that? Probably not. I think I'm being prepared um, by the storms that you have to weather on each and every lily pad. Ooh, I love that analogy. You guys, you can totally picture a lily pad and you're like, you either sink or you jump. <laughs> you either like die with it each season or you take that risk and, and jump. Even if you fall off or one leg goes off or it's not perfect, you're making progress. And progress is where the growth comes from. And you can look back in three years and be like, oh my gosh, I'm like three or four lily pads uh, ahead or different than I was a few years ago go. Sometimes we don't notice the steps right away, but we can look back and just see how far we've come. So did you take those dreams and start to develop a business plan? Did you pick one to hone in first? How did you start the media business? Yeah, 100%. So I literally would go to this restaurant that had Wi-Fi for my lunch breaks. We had extended lunch breaks like an hour and a half typically. And I would go with my packed lunch or sometimes I would buy lunch and I would sit there and I would type on my computer for the whole break. And I, I started uh, planning. I started writing out, you know, ideas. I have a book here. And the idea is to, guys, die to the, to the need for perfection. I have a stupid free weekly planner that was from the year prior. It's a 2016. Uh, and I just wrote with Sharpie on the front of it. Um, really sloppy. It just says idea book. And then I have made this an idea. Yeah, it's not even grammatically correct. Made this an idea book 
9, 10, 16, because I need to sort my ideas better. And it says paper clips represent next category. And it's the sloppiest, gross looking, silly weekly planner book you get for 99 cents at Walmart, but it's loaded with all my ideas and all of my sorted out post-it notes, my, my little dream receipts. And they're all through here, all different things that I came up with while I was working that job. And I decided to capitalize on certain ones. So one I started was this uh, digital media marketing. So I invested in a really nice drone. Uh, I've been editing videos because I had tried to... Well, actually, while I was working this job, I was also running a YouTube channel um, focused on fitness. And I had made over 200 videos for that. So I was mastering how to edit video, how to connect with other online influencers, things like that uh, on the side of my day job. And I think... Uh, you know, not knowing where you're going is okay. I think it's good to just start doing things. Messy action, right? You took your post-it notes, you organized them, and then you picked one. I think a lot of times we can think we have to do everything all of at once, and you can only jump from one lily pad to the other. So you picked one to really hone oh, that's in so on. Good. That's so good. I was talking about this two weeks ago. I was on another podcast and I was talking about just that. So when I was a kid, these lily pads are real toys, by the way. If you go to like a water park, if you go to like a kid's aqua park or whatever it's called, we would go to one as, as when I was in like middle school and me and my buddies would try to sprint across the lily pads. And inevitably what would happen is you might get to the second to last lily pad. Um, but one day um, they have these ropes that dingle. Okay. They like hang so you can hold the rope and like walk across the lily pads like you're supposed to. But we would like clear a path. We were those obnoxious kids that would just sprint and probably scare every other parent there, uh, including the lifeguards. Um, but we would try to run across. And as you can imagine, we'd get to the maybe the second to last one without thinking, okay, what happens if I actually make it to the other ed, the other concrete platform running full sprint sloppily on top of these floating lily pads? You're probably going to bust your ankle on the edge or fall or break your face on the, on the, on the edge. Like we weren't thinking about that. We just wanted to get there fast. And that's something I'm, I'm, I'm currently really having to accept is it takes so much time and it's a long game and there is no easy, there is no easy path. Like there just isn't. And uh, once you accept that and realize anything you want success in at any level in any area of your life requires maintenance and consistent improvement that you have to focus on or like until you accept that you're going to be too, uh, you may become discouraged from, oh, well, it's been a year. Oh, it's been two years. Oh, it's been 19 months and nothing yet or not what I expected yet. And instead of that, it has to be, okay, I accept that this is a long-term thing. And once you accept that, you can really start to take some action because you freed yourself up from the mental noise of, why am I not there yet? This isn't so... If you try to, like you said, yeah, exactly. It's one to the next. So if you go full sprint and try to go too fast, then you get clothesline, which is exactly what happened to me physically and mentally. So I, I would run full sprint across these lily pads. And it was really funny uh, because we got when I would get to the very end, uh, the rope had become stretched. And I didn't know that yet. But when people let go of it, it's, it, it, uh, it sags down to its normal like resting spot. And it had dropped over the summer just from being used so much. These ropes where people hang and walk across these lily pads to maintain balance, probably a foot lower than normal. And I remember getting clotheslined right across my gum line. And it went like through, not through my lip, but like it bypassed my lip and just scraped my lower gum and literally clotheslined me. And my feet flew up in the air and <laughs> my, head, my head flew back and smashed into the lily pad that I was aiming for. And then I just floated underwater with my eyes open, like assessing if I broke anything. 
And I remember that that was the last time I did the full sprint um, <laughs> because it, it, it hurt. So, yeah. That's hilarious. My son, actually, we just went to Great Wolf Lodge here in Michigan, and he was that kid on those lily pads who would <laughs> make the line wait yeah. because he waited until the path <laughs> yeah. was clear. Mm-hmm. And then he timed himself. So he was timing himself every single time. And we just sat and, and laughed and we're like, what does this say about his personality at seven That's years beautiful. old? And we'll just see what happens. But it's really funny to think about. You can you can look back in your life and see, all right, when did I try to sprint too fast without necessarily thinking about all of the options? When did I try to take on too much? Maybe it's too much to-dos or too many goals at one time. Or maybe it's the too many emotions of other people, like trying to save everyone. And we can look back and, and see kind of those patterns in our life, which increases our self-awareness. But then we can do something about it, which increases our EQ. Like how can we own ourselves, own our emotions, and then take a step on purpose in the direction that we desire? <laughs> Like That's we'll so take funny. We've had thing to a whole nother level. And and Denise, what's the name of what's your son's name? His name is Owen, and you know what? He's got red hair too. So. You know. Oh, that's so good. That's awesome. Tell him, tell him the ladies love it. So he'll be fine. Okay. And good. On, top, on top of that, youth is an advantage. So if you're listening to this and you're in your 30s, 40s, or even your uh, pre 20s, or you're in your early 20s, so. There is a Bible verse, it's 1 Timothy 4.12, and it says, Don't let anyone look down on you because you are young, but set an example for the believers in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and purity. So that being said, Owen being seven years old has an advantage over my middle school self in getting across those lily pads because of his weight distribution is a little bit lighter, so it doesn't cause the lily pad to <laughs> flop too much. Um, so that's kind of funny because uh, youth can be an advantage if you capitalize on it correctly. So one thing that's on my dream board now, both of my boys have red hair, which is so random because I have blonde hair and I thought all my children would have blonde hair and my boys would look like Zach Morris from 90210. Like that was my vision. (laughs) Um, And both my boys have red hair and we're just, you know, Irish roots from way back, potato famine stuff. But on my dream board is to go to Ireland in the year 2021 because Owen will be 10 and go to the Red Hair Festival. So if, just so you know, John, wow. if you don't know, they have a Red Hair Festival. I found their I Facebook page. Oh, man. I and don't know if I should... It's, I'm, like, I'm totally making my children... I probably will care more than they will, but... I, <laughs> That's so, so I started reverse engineering it, right? We've got these dreams. We've got these goals. And then I thought, all right, well, we need to practice this. So they had one in Chicago. Um, so last year in August, we went to Chicago. I, we got uh, um, red hair, don't care shirts. Um, red hair is my superpower. I, you know, shamrock gingers was my shirt. <laughs> we show up to this park and so do like hundreds of other redheads. And it was so funny to see their response of being amongst people that look like them just because redheads are few and far between. And apparently they're going extinct. Um, But I say this because I think sometimes we take a dream or we take a goal and we just wait till 2021 to figure out how it's going to happen. But goals take consistency. They take time. They take jumping from one lily pad to the other. It takes looking up how much is it going to cost to go to Ireland? Where would we stay? And then how do we get, you know, like, can I save up enough points so we can go first class? That would be a really good goal. Like revert, that goal in 2021 starts 
now. And I start taking steps in that direction now. And that's how it actually happens. So just so you know, if you are ever interested, totally go to Ireland in August. It's a thing. I didn't know. Do you know, do you know the date in August? I think it's... No, I didn't look for... Okay, because my birthday is in August. So that's oh really trippy. You should. I mean, I feel like it's the same weekend, like the second or third weekend every year. So the date probably okay. changes, but they've got mm. a full blown Facebook page that so you can check it out. That's that's funny. I'll definitely check it out. And one of the best comebacks, I'm sure you know. I'm sure you guys, your boys, are going to be fine with their confidence. But uh, one of the best comebacks that I found was uh, anytime uh, the class would gang up on me about my hair. I actually, it never really, it definitely existed, but I was typically friends with the people picking on me. So it didn't usually make a lasting mark. But one of the, my favorite comebacks is just saying something like, oh, that's very creative, sarcastically, because every joke you hear has been said 10 other times within the last year or so. It's not anything new. That's funny. It is. It's really... Yeah. You're like, mm, I like my red hair. It gets me attention. Thank you very much. <laughs> I know, but not to the level of obnoxiousness. Like I've never... I don't, I don't like embrace it. Like, Oh, like, yeah, I have red hair. Like, I mean, that's awesome, but I don't typically, I don't care that much about, you know, doing that. Yeah. It's funny. Well, cool. So lily pads, it's one step at a time. It's, it's, it's focus, right? You have to focus on the next lily pad. I'm told you we're going to take this a whole nother level. Focus on the next lily pad to, and then take the leap and jump. So you took your sticky notes or post-it notes, you organized them in your book, you allowed that creative juice to flow, but then you picked the digital marketing media consulting stuff from your YouTube experience, from the editing experience. How did you launch your business? Did you just start telling people? Like, how did it, how did it work for you? Yeah. And, and to your point about planning, the pad in LilyPad, actually, I made an acronym. It's prioritize. Um, P, prioritize. A, allocate. And D, decide. So prioritize what matters most to you. Allocate your time and resources to the things that matter most. Like, for example, don't buy things you can't afford to impress people you don't like. We've all heard that. And focus on the absolute essentials so you can live how you want to live sooner than later. Like, what's going to provide you a richer life now? Maybe a better mattress. Allocate funds to purchasing foods that will give you more energy. Cut spending on eating out. Maybe instead of three times a week, you go once. Like, I don't believe diets... I don't believe in them financially or nutritionally, typically, because or unless you're planning to sustain it for the rest of your life. Um, you have to find replacements. So a big thing for me with allocating those funds is finding replacements for the more expensive option. And if you're willing to be self-aware and dive deep, you can find ways to allocate your time and resources more effectively. You just can. A quick story on the allocation thing. After I stepped away from my position as a rehab specialist, I wanted to still be treated by that chiropractic office because I was on a plan. And I had been getting treated three times a week for over a year. And it was really giving me a lot of benefits in my, in my life. Well, it would have cost me like $1,000 a month to keep going. And I, I was just like, yeah, it's not going to be an option for me right now. And so I talked with him and you know, emotional intelligence was at play and also my desire to serve his company because I had no hard feelings. I really liked working with him. And I bartered. And uh, to this day, we've bartered over $6,000 worth of, of, of services back and forth. So I'll get treatments, you know, x-rays, whatever is needed. And exchange, I'll create him like super high quality uh, testimonial videos with some of his uh, clientele, or maybe it's a new office tour, did that for him. So there is a way to be more resourceful. And that's what entrepreneurship is all about. Doesn't necessarily mean that you make more money, 
Maybe somebody listens to your podcast and says, I want to invite them to dinner. That really spoke to me. And if you can see between the lines, the silver lining is always there. It just is. And it's, uh, that's where gratitude comes in and appreciating what you're actually doing. And then the D in pad is decide. I, I believe decision is one of the greatest enemies to anxiety. And so if you're listening and you're a little anxious or you have restlessness about the job you're in or the job you're currently, the entrepreneurship role you've accepted, it can be really scary to make concrete decisions. But what's the alternative? If you're anxious anyway, because you failed to make a decision, then what do you lose by making a decision? Just go from autopilot to decision maker and remember that without a decision, you cannot move. You just stay stuck in a season on that lily pad that's not meant to keep holding you. So if you decide then that allows you to set yourself up to win and decide to embrace where you are. You need each and every season that you're in to prepare you for where you're going. Each job you're in, everything. It's just a parking spot. Mm. Deciding is like the sword for double-mindedness. You know, the restlessness that you, what should I do? Should I do this? And then you take a step and you're like, should I have done that? Was that the right move? I don't know. That that restlessness, that double-mindedness, the uncertainty, that anxiety that you mentioned I absolutely agree. Decide, own it, and keep going because that's the only way God can allow the how to show up is when you're actually moving. Hmm. Yeah, that's a great point. So what do you do now? So after you decide, it's my belief, that's largely the reason, like the, the failure to decide on things as simple as decide and then start making pre-decisions. So decide in advance where you're going to hide when things go wrong. Are you going to run to that worldly vice or are you going to run to God? I struggle with this a little bit still. I think we all have our demons. But my thing is, with the power of the Holy Spirit, I've been able to overcome. And that is not to say I'm a perfect person. I'm not. I go through like multiple things that I do each day that I'm like, oh, why did I say that? Why did I judge that person? Whatever the case may be. But yes, after you decide, realize that you need to enjoy the process and enjoy your life. And that provides a mental... And don't, get, um, don't tune this out if you're listening, because you may have heard this before, the word abundance there really is an abundance in knowing Christ and living the way he wants us to live. So if you enjoy your life at that point, lily pad jumping is fun and it's sloppy and it's silly, but it's so, so fun. So you'll slip and you'll definitely fall and you'll probably get hurt, but you can always climb back on top and try again. I always ask, what is the worst case scenario? So the last step is after you decide is to just go. Take actual notes of excuses in your brain, write them down and burn them in a physical fire and watch them burn and say, I will no longer make excuses. I am going to create the life that I know I want to live. And God will steer your ship. He will steer it. He will be the rudder. You just have to put the hustle into the sails and then it will start moving. And maybe you're going way off to the left of where he wants you to go. And remember... It's actually in Romans 8, but it talks about the importance of, or it talks about how the Holy Spirit is praying for us. Um, if you didn't know that, now you know. And it, I would definitely recommend reading Romans 8. And I think it's verse 21 or verse 22. talks about how an aspect of God is the Holy Spirit, and He is praying for us for the greater good. So it's going to benefit you. And if you realize that, it really just allows you to just take a deep breath. Oh, just, okay, everything's going to work out. But don't allow your fears or your past experiences or going back to earlier in the interview, unforgiveness to keep you from stepping forward. You're like, oh, shut up. You're in your 20s. You're young. You haven't gone through divorce. You haven't lost, you know, you haven't had a miscarriage. You don't know. No, I don't. But I also do have many friends who have. And I do also know, I, I don't understand that. And I also don't understand why I lost a friend to suicide a month ago. 
But I can tell you that letting things hold you back isn't serving you or anyone else around you. So you just keep your head up and keep trying and keep going because only then will you be able to actually make any progress and reach a, a, a state of momentum. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. It's trusting the process. Even if you don't understand or have all of the answers, it's trusting that as you continue to move, God will put the how in your path. The right people will come exactly when you need them. The support will come. The love will come. The challenge will come. Everything will is exactly where it's supposed to be. And that can dissipate the anxiety as well. When you choose to trust the process, including the ebbs and flows along the way. Yeah, that taught me a great deal and continues to do so. Two last questions for you. So you are very well developed. Like I am hearing books and quotes and just you can tell that you've spent time developing yourself. So kudos to you. And and really, it's empowering and inspiring because we all want to be growing too. So who would you say is some of your favorite books or people that you've learned from? It's really simple. I look at them. Uh, and this is funny because Ed Milet taught me this, but it's looking at people like a mentor or an author as friends to assist you. So if you actually start reading their content and absorbing it as in you're sitting there and they are your friend, it um, affects you differently than just like, oh, who is this holier than thou person who's a multimillionaire who's done what I want to do? You look at them like, oh, no, I'm, we're friends. They're just a person. So it takes that pedestal out of the picture and allows you to learn at a deeper level. John Maxwell, all of his books. Ed Milet, a friend of mine, Dr. Zeno, personal mentor. Um, Pastor Chandler, there's a guy, Tim Keller in New York. And there's Psalm 139 verses 23 to 24. And I also wrote on this list, Abe Lincoln for the emotional intelligence. And I haven't researched him enough, but he was the Jedi master of emotional intelligence. And a past guest that I've had on my podcast named Joe Calloway, a professional speaker in Tennessee, has talked about... um, We were talking and he said one of his favorite books is... um, that one with Abe Lincoln. And I think it was, oh, I forget. I think it was a biography about Abe Lincoln. And it was it, the, it was like Team of Enemies or something like that. That's not the title, but it talks about how Abe Lincoln sat down and learned civilly. He had people in his cabinet who he completely vehemently disagreed with, but he took them seriously because he needed to understand the whole gamut of the perspective. And he was willing to do that with a humble spirit. And that's what I strive to emulate. So those are just a few of the names. Awesome. Awesome. All right. One last question for you. So you, there's maybe there's somebody's listening who they've begun executing their vision. They're taking those steps, but they still have a bit of fear or anxiety. What would you say to somebody who's in the middle of pivoting and a bit nervous to jump to that next lily pad? Just be consistent and, and realize that procrastination is actually your ego. And why I say that is because when you procrastinate, you tell yourself, when I get to that next lily pad, then I'll be rich and then I'll have the new car and then my life will look like this. So your ego is telling you, oh, uh, that at that point when I decide to take action, well, the procrastination is your ego because it's keeping you from taking action. You're not actually there. That's not even reality. So until you take action, nothing happens. When you take action, you realize, oh crap, this is really hard. So I would just say, stay focused, be consistent. Assess the lens that you're seeing the world through. Everyone's going through similar trials and insecurities. Everybody. Everybody. So stop putting people on pedestals. Uh, One thing I really am grateful for overcoming over the last year, I wasn't being honest with myself about how I look at other people. (sighs) 
And I was really judgmental. And that manifested itself in, I think it's important to be selective with your circle, but don't be so judgmental in the day-to-day with people. Judging people doesn't serve you. Keep your word to yourself. If you say you're going to do something, actually do it, even if it's the fundamentals. And I would start there personally. I'm still trying to master those. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for sharing your wisdom with us. You guys check out the hearthealthyhustle.com. It's the Heart Healthy Hustle podcast to create your own vision, but also to dig deep and, and deal with the challenges that entrepreneurship brings with somebody like John on your side. I feel like you just add value wherever you go. So thank you so much for being on today. I really appreciate it. Yeah, Denise, absolutely. I appreciate you having me on. And it was also a blast to have you on my podcast as well. So if you uh, are a big fan of Denise's show, which you probably are from listening to this epic podcast, then jump over to mine and listen to her interview first. Yes, absolutely. All of the links to his website and podcast will be in the show notes below. Thanks so much for hanging out with us today. I want to hear your aha moment from today's amazing episode. If you could leave a review at whatever podcast player you choose to listen from, Apple Podcast, CastBox, Spotify, YouTube, wherever you're listening from, leave a review and share with us your favorite part of today's episode. Thanks for hanging out. And remember to dream big.